Hey, surfers, podcast listeners. Surfing Village in the Telos Islands in Indonesia, the last frontier. I'll be making my second trip to Indonesia this summer. And if you book right now, they've got some great deals on early season April and May trips. Go to surfing-village.com. You can fill out their contact us form, mention the boardroom show, and get a great discount. Surfing-village.com, great empty waves, great accommodations, spectacular food. Hell to the yes. Surfing-village.com. The California Gold Surf Auction coming up April 6th through the 20th. 48 curated and vetted vintage historically and culturally significant surfboards. The auction catalog should be available for preview in mid-March. Auctions.TheVintageSurfAuctions.com And the Boardroom International Surfboard Show coming up October 12th and 13th honoring this year's icon of foam, Bob McTavish. For information on booth space, check out BoardroomShow.com. And now, on to the podcast. Shea Soma is a shaper from the San Luis Obispo area, and Shea is the first place winner of the Best in Show competition that we had last year at the Boardroom Show. He made an incredible bonzer. Best in Show is open to all of you, any board maker around the world. It is free to enter. So here I talk with Shea about the competition, about shaping, about learning how to shape, about uh, the tools, the necessities, the imagination that it takes to be a surfboard builder. On this episode of the Boardroom Podcast, Shay Soma, let us begin. I can hear you. Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, Shay Soma. It's so great to uh, see you this morning, and thanks for getting up and being being early with me here. Yeah, you know, uh, you you really sent it. I was, you said seven a.m. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's getting after it straight away. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I I'm actually a little better in the morning. It seems like my peak time is you know early. <laughs> yeah. <That makes laughs> Otherwise, sense. I get nappy. I get a little nappy. <laughs> sure. Wow. Yeah. Um. Well, let's get started here. Um. People may or may not know, Shay, but you won Best in Show this year at the Boardroom Show when we selected the Bonzer as the um, design. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm astounded still. It's it's surreal, to be honest. Well, it was well-deserved, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about the process, right? So I know, interestingly, you sort of were like a last-minute you showed up sort of late, like, can I still get in? And, um, but so take the listeners through the process of best in show. Like at some point you saw that we were doing it and you decided to do it. And where did it lead you? Yeah. So I'd been building boards for quite a while since 2008, but just a few here and a few there and slowly over time done more and more. And I've attended the boardroom show a couple of times. Um, just to see other people shape. I'm up in San Luis Obispo, so I didn't have a ton of uh, access to seeing really good shapers shape. So I love the boardroom show for that reason. Um, uh, just that opportunity to see people really um, who are proficient at hand shaping doing it. And so, um, so I'd attended a couple times and I saw the best in show entries and I thought that was such a cool opportunity to participate without having to uh, have a whole booth because it's a free entry. And um, this last year I was looking at trying to get a booth and it was a little out of my price range and, and uh, time commitment. We just had a baby. Um, so um, I thought when you announced that the boredom show best in show was going to be for the bonzer, I thought that would be a fun way to participate without having to go full bore and 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 into the cost of the booth and and all that. Um, just a way to just you know dip my toe in, and um, and yeah, like it thrilled me that it was the Campbell brothers. Their bonzer design is so iconic and unique to them that um, I thought that was a really fun challenge to try and honor 
that particular design. Um, so my process for it was to um, look at a bunch of bonzers, basically Campbell Brothers ones. I wasn't really looking at any other folks versions of it because I figured if it was the Campbell Brothers judging it, it was their design and they've been working on it for gosh, like over 50 years. So I'd better look at the ones that they're making, you know, and really, um, so I, I was really particular in terms of placement of the side running fins and in relation to the center fin, uh, where their edges start and stop and, um, few more kind of bottom details where the concaves go to in particular, because I figured that was important as, as I think about boards, I think about how concave relates to your back foot in particular, when you have concave through the, through the back part of the board. So I wanted all those measurements to be pretty precise. And then I applied all that to one of my own board templates that I've been really enjoying, um, which is like a shorter, wider shape. And it seemed like that uh, template was in line with their ethos design-wise as well. Um, instead of, I, I make that particular template as a pintail or an arc tail, and then for the bonzer variation, I made it into a diamond tail. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, I was, I was calling around to a bunch of buddies uh, who are more hobbyist shapers or local shapers here in Slow, and, um, uh, and I was asking if they had any stands, board stands, and nobody had a stand to lend me, so then I had to go through the process of building a stand. So I had some chunks of concrete in the backyard from some construction projects, and I got a piece of rebar and threw that together and brought it down. I thought, you know, I showed up late on Friday. Um, I thought people would be setting up till later in the evening, so I I didn't realize that the um, the hall was going to close so early. I think I showed up at like four thirty, and everybody was gone. And I was like, oh my God, I totally missed it. <laughs> so of course I texted you as, as you know, and um, luckily I was able to go first thing in the morning Saturday to throw my entry in the mix. And, and I, yeah, I was shocked to see that it, it won. It was a, a total complete surprise. I mean, the other entries were absolutely stunning and, and by a bunch of board builders who I really admire and really look up to in so many ways. So, um, so yeah, that was a total surprise and a complete honor and meeting the Campbell brothers and getting to chat with them was a real highlight. They couldn't have been nicer, cooler people and just totally down to earth and sweet. And yeah, um, it, overall it was honestly the highlight of my, I guess, board building so-called career, you know, <laughs> at this point. So, um, so yeah, that was a, a real life highlight for me. So thank you for putting on the show and giving me the uh, I guess the opportunity to participate. Yeah. Well, look, thank you for being involved. I mean, really it's, I was super excited that we had uh, somebody such as yourself who um, I don't know, for lack of a better way to characterize it, um, isn't one of the super big dogs in the space. You know what I mean? And really that's what the best in show. I feel like, I mean, I invite every surfboard builder in the world and it's free. All you got to do yeah. is show up with your board, you know, like, hundred percent. Yeah. And so I'm so glad that you took advantage of it. And I'm so glad that you won. I, I secretly am excited when there's like a low key core guy that's into it, that wins. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's not have the same guys win over and over, you know, of course yeah. I'm not a judge, so um, it's out of my hands. But um, let me ask you this. Did you look at modern bonzers or did you look at some of like the seventies era bonzers? I looked at the um, the modern Bonzer threes and Bonzer fives, and I looked at um, I, I, saw, I saw a couple of CI the CI ones too. So just yeah, like um, I had a look at several, um, but all modern. I didn't really have access to any vintage ones. Yeah, and that's probably a good thing, right? Because you won, and um, I know this. You know, I, I think I may have told you this, but I sat in my office at the show with Malcolm and with Duncan, and they were just so blown away with your board and how, um, you know, you really sort of highlighted and honored what they have created. And as you mentioned, you know, there were some big hitters that Malcolm and Duncan were going, oh, my God, but 
this other one's really, really good too. But I keep going back to Shea Soma's board. I, and then they kept saying, and they were really hemming and hawing with it. Like they were just, they took it very seriously. And, um, and again, congratulations. It speaks volumes to your craftsmanship. I think that's so great. Thank you so much. And I should, I should point out that, um, I did not glass that board. It was Israel Menezes at Sticks and Logs here in Slow who did the glassing. I dyed a piece of cloth um, myself and then handed that off to him to inlay. And, and then part of the idea to honor the bonzer was to um, polish the fin section. The whole tail section was polished and uh, contrasting with a matte finish for the rest of the board. And the idea there was to really highlight the engine of the board, the concaves and the, and the side fins. But um, I feel like at least minimally, if not more than half of the credit should go to Israel for the impeccable glassing. Um, I feel very, very lucky to work with him and other really high quality glassers. I think that makes my work look infinitely better. Um, and also it's, it's just um, a totally integral part to the board building process. And I think he should get credit as well for that well can you say his name and and um let's give him a, a little bit more limelight so it's israel and what's the name of his company sticks and logs he's a one-man shop here in san luis obispo i don't know i don't i don't really doubt he has a website um it's on instagram s-t-i-x letter n l-o-g-s i think um and That's what I'm, look I'm looking for it on instagram so. yeah yeah so he's, you know, he kind of, I was glassing my own boards in a, another local guy's shop, Nick Cooper here in San Luis Obispo, who's a great shaper and glasser himself, but he owns the company that um, sells most of the local board builders, their supplies, um, it's called The Craft. And uh, several years ago, Nick let me glass boards in his factory um, as I was, you know, kind of get my feet wet there. And Israel was doing dings for him at the same time. So, and through that, you know, through the years, Israel started doing full builds, full custom glass jobs as well. And it's been fun to kind of come up together. And now Israel's running his own shop, but it's just him. It was one man shop. He's everything from routing your pin plugs to doing the final polish. And he does a really, really, really great job um, and is a good friend. And like I said, I just feel like, for that board in particular, I mean, the color work was impeccable and that's all Israel really. So I yeah, to well, out there. for sure. Sticks and logs, glass works is the Instagram. And it's, uh, as you mentioned, S T I X, the letter N and then logs, L O G S glassworks. So Israel yeah. Manessis, I think Manesis, I said, yeah, yeah. Manesis. Well, I tell you what, those types Israel, and there's a bunch of guys like him that are just the, you know, the backbone of the industry and they don't get enough credit. I've always tr tried to figure out how to honor the glass guys, you know, the laminators, the sanders, which are really hard to, to honor. You can't really just go in there and sand a board with all the foam dust or right. all, the, um, all the fiberglass dust flying around in the, at the boardroom show. But um, so, yeah, and in, in some ways, the best in show does help to honor those guys. And um, I often say, hey, look, when you bring your board in, bring in a card that kind of explains the build process. And that's an opportunity for us to kind of highlight the the secret sauce behind the build. And um, Israel's certainly one of those guys. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, for highlighting that. Um, what do you do? Do you build surfboards full time for a living? Yeah. So um, I was and then like i mentioned we had a, a kiddo so i started working in some other things but um uh i worked for the public defender's office for 11 years i was an investigator for them and during that time is when i learned to shape i was shaping at night and on weekends as kind of my um little escape you know you get home from kind of dealing with a, the legal world and it was a, a nice kind of unwind make something nice and pretty and functional um, in the garage kind of thing. And then it got busy. I got, um, I got into a couple shops that were, uh, out of the area and that really helped kind of, uh, expose my brand to other markets, I guess, other than San Luis Obispo. So I got into daydream surf shop first in Costa Mesa and then, um, and then into Mollusk in San Francisco. 
and I started getting custom orders from both Southern and Northern California and got busier and busier. And eventually in 2019, the summer of 2019, I quit the public defender to shape boards full time. And um, it was going great and kind of a, you know, obviously COVID was a big roller coaster scenario. And that was ultimately ended up being really a busy time, like for a lot of folks. Yeah. And then um, we had our kiddo and then it dipped down, the busyness kind of dipped down a little bit. And so between those two things, I picked up, I'm actually doing landscape design two days a week. Um, and then now actually boards have picked up again. So I'm kind of juggling. <laughs> I'm kind of juggling. The board thing is very like, um, it's a roller coaster for me. So it's never just been totally steady. It's always been either like cranking and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to have time to do these. Or it's been like kind of crickets and you're like, oh, I guess no one wants a board. So, and I haven't found that like middle ground where it's, um, where it's just steady, but I don't know if that exists. I just, um, but now it's busy again. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, and the landscape thing has been cool. It's been a good, like, um, uh, it's good. It's been a good counterbalance to boards and get out of surf all the time. It's easy to be, you know, as, as you know, it's easy to be just completely, um, you know, tunnel vision on surfing and board building and all that. So to get out of that world a couple days a week has been a good, a good balance. Um, but yeah, it's the board building things, a trip. It's, it's definitely different when you're trying to do it as a business than just as a hobby. And so, yeah. Yeah. There's, I imagine there's a lot of anxiety regarding, you know, where's the business going to come from? Um, how much marketing do I have to do? It's certainly turned into more of a marketing uh, beast or as much of a marketing beast um, as anything. Um, but at the in the end, I think the really great surfboards rise to the top, you know, and that's where you found yourself now. And I'm super excited for you. But, it, you know, with a baby and stuff, man, it's it's got to be a little scary. Yeah, it's nice to have um, like kind of a steady thing going with the baby. And luckily, you know, my, my wife works too. So we have, uh, and we have help Our families are in the area. So they help. And so we're in a really, really, really privileged zone to be having uh, a family. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, as when it was all on the boards, it kind of felt a little, I don't know, but now it's busy. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to, I'm trying to figure that out, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, how did you um, get into surfboard shaping? Did you have a mentor that you were like, wow, this is, you know, tell me a little bit about your journey, learning to shape and getting to where you're at now. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I, yeah. So I grew up in Orange County. I grew up in Tustin and um, I would surf or rather I would go to the beach with my mom all the time, uh, which was super, you know, and it helped me get that love of the ocean from a really young age. And I used to just love um, body surfing more than anything. And then graduated from body surfing into bodyboarding. And I remember going into even like Jack surfboards in Huntington beach and looking at all the different tail shapes of the bodyboards and being so intrigued with like, what's the crescent tail do versus the bat tail versus the one with the little channels versus, you know, just tripping out on all the designs. And then, um, eventually got uh, the opportunity to learn to stand up surf. And it was the same thing. I've just always been really intrigued with uh, board shapes and designs and, and what does each one do and why, and why would you um, do, you know, add channels or why would you, and, you know, make a blunt nose versus a point, you know, just it's, in, it's infinite. And I was always intrigued from a really young age and, um, I remember reading the magazines too, talking about uh, like Mark Richards who shaped his own boards and became a world champion. I thought that was so cool. So I was always really intrigued with the construction process and people who made their own equipment. George Greenow was a huge hero from reading the magazines over the years. And um, when I went to Cal Poly and slow, I, I came up here in 2003 for college and they actually had a program at the craft center that a couple buddies did. I, and I, every time I tried to apply to it, it filled up too quickly. So, um, I never was able to actually take the program, but I had a friend, um, 
who built a board at that or rather shaped it at the craft center. And he brought it to my house and he glassed it in the garage and I got to watch him, you know, glass it and the resin kicked too quick and he's stressing out and, you know, it's just making a big sticky mess and <laughs> in the garage. And, but ultimately it, it turned out good, you know, and, um, and I got to kind of see it up close. I was like, you know what, if he can do it, I think I can take a crack at it. So it wasn't until I graduated uh, college and I got that job at the public defender. I had a little extra cash in the bank that I, I just kind of jumped in with both feet. I spent probably a good six months on Swaylocks, kind of lurking around the forums, trying to get um, a sense of how to approach it. And Swaylocks is, is funny. It's uh, you get 12 different answers to the same question, you know, and you're trying to <laughs> suss out who might know what they're talking about. Um, but, you know, you kind of go through all the forums and you, you figure out that everyone's kind of got their own method. And in a way that's freeing. Um, so eventually I just bought some seconds blanks from fiberglass Hawaii and, and Ventura and um, brought them up here and just started hacking away. And for my first board, I, I built like a 411 single fin. I, I laid up a whole panel and, and ground out the, um, the fin and, and did a, you know, glass on with color work, the whole nine yards. And, and it was terrible. It was like the worst piece of shit ever, <laughs> but it was super fun to just jump in, you know, all the way for the first one and kind of get a sense of how it went. And then my second board ever was another single fin six Oh, and that thing was amazing. It went really, really well. And I, I made the fin out of the same panel as the first and, um, and yeah, and I was just totally hooked. It was a really fun process. It's messy, it's smelly, it's dusty. And then, but at the end, you have this, this beautiful kind of pristine object that you could get to go surfing on. So um, I was totally hooked. And, and yeah, I, was, I just, like I said, I was just totally intrigued by all the different variations of design and how it's kind of infinitely malleable um, from shape to shape. Uh, and you can, there's, there's endless variables to play with. And uh, that part of it is really uh, addicting and intriguing for me. So, so yeah, that was it. The first one was 2008 or so. And then, uh, yeah, and I've been pretty steady at it since then. Yeah, the, the variables are amazing. And when you think about it too, it, it's the waves themselves are constantly changing. And the person, the people that you're building for have different body types and different sensations. So, as you know, one board could work great for somebody and that same exact board might not work so great for somebody else. So that's the variables are probably, um, you know, both the menace and the magic, you know what I mean? percent. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I've had that exact experience. Like I've ridden, I have friends who are really talented surfers and I've ridden their boards and I can't figure it out for the life of me. And then, uh, and you know, but they'll go and just absolutely rip on it. And then I'll, I'll be having, not that I'm a great surfer or anything, but I'll be having a great session on, on something and, um, and vice versa. But then, you know, and then, or, uh, customers come up with ideas that I'll, I'll incorporate into my next board for myself. And, oh my gosh, turns out that little tweak was amazing. Like, um, for instance, I have a, a single thin hole that I've been making for a few years for Daydream Surf Shop, the Daydream Hole. And I kept getting requests for like eggy twin fins without the channels. You know, the channel twin fins have been a really popular design for a few years. Um, but then people wanted them without the channels. And I've made a couple for customers by special request and then got great feedback. So I go ahead and make one for myself. And turns out that thing goes amazing, you know. So you, there's just more and more to explore. And if you're open to hearing what other people have to say or, um, you know, open to seeing what other lines of board can take on a wave, it's just there's always more to explore. So that's, it keeps surfing really fun and fresh and interesting for me. Yeah, that specific design has always been interesting to me. Um, you know, I have some twin fin pin around pins that have channels right off of the tail. Right, and I believe that um, that the guy who made it for me, Ryan Sakel, and I were like, if we put channels off the tail, and this is more Ryan. I'm not a shaper, but he, you know, we're gonna get some bite. We might get some bite. They're almost like little mini fins, perhaps, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, well, why don't we? Because they're so fast and loose, 
because it's a wider tail. Why don't we take the channels out, but make the tail really thin so we get the mm -hmm. bite that we're looking for? And so, you know, I don't know where I'm going with other, other than I love that design. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, 100%. Like I just got a, a request for, I've been making a lot of mini Simmons design boards um, that I call the mini super. And I always make them with a swallowtail because it adds more hold, right? And uh, a I was just chatting with a guy yesterday about he wanted a um, mini super, but he wanted it as a quad, but as an arctail. And I was thinking that was a really interesting idea because the arctail will actually loosen it up, but the quad will stiffen it. So you're working with kind of counterbalancing elements there that'll equate to maybe a similar feeling, similar but different as the twin with the swallow. So you're always kind of balancing you know, opposing elements to try and create this really balanced, um, refined object. And that that's a really fun thing to keep chasing. I think yeah. of surfboards as, as um, they're mitigating your relationship with the wave. It's almost like, uh, you know, surfing as dance is a great metaphor and the board is your dance partner and you're going to dance better with certain partners than others, but, you know, you're not going to, um, I guess to mix metaphors, like why would you limit yourself to like one genre of music? It's like there's punk rock where you just want to rip and shred and tear, but then there's also classical. You can just kind of cruise and feel the feel the trim spot on the wave and and just enjoy that uh, sensation of gliding, you know. And it's it's uh, there's so many ways and so many different lines you can take on the same canvas, that same uh, that same wave that um yeah it's just it's fun it's fun to explore yeah it, it really is and um you know the mixed i love the dance metaphor right because this board does a waltz really good but the waves are freaking punk rock today you know okay right. what do i do here you know yeah exactly take me back to um your mentors though did is there somebody that that kind of went Shay, let me show you this. Let me, you know, was there, a, and it might not have even been a shaper. It might've been somebody else that influenced you with your shaping. Was there somebody that you looked to for guidance when you were beginning? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I haven't had that like, you know, experience of just sweeping up in the shop and like spending a lot of time with individual people, but I've had several individuals who have really, um, been kind to show me a few things over the years for like, you know, a day spent in the shaping bay here and there kind of thing. So the first that comes to mind is actually, um, uh, Mark Andrini. I was surfing Pismo one day and I had pulled up and I was waxing my, it was a, a nine, six round pin, uh, pig shaped log with a glassed on wood fin that I had made. And um, I was waxing it up and he came in and into the parking zone with his vintage uh, VW bus. And I'd look over my shoulders like, holy shit, that's Mark Andrini. You know, like I knew exactly who he was, but I wasn't going to, I was nervous. I wasn't going to say hi or anything. I was just, you know, waxing up and was about to paddle out. He gets out of the van and the first thing he says, is, hey, did you, did you build that board? And I said, uh, yeah, you know, he's like, you shaped it? And he's like, yeah. Or I'm like, yeah, I, I shaped it. And he's like, did you glass it too? And he's like, yeah, I, I did. He's looking at it and he's like, starts looking. He's like, I want to ride this thing. I was tripping out. I was, couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, it's like my shape, honestly, uh, of anybody's designs, it's, I really, really admire his designs. And, um, and I had for years prior to this. So it was just a very surreal, cool moment. He's like, well, I want to ride this board. And, and uh, maybe he's like, do you mind riding mine? And I was like, no, I'd love to ride. You know, he had like a 10-2 Vaquero, like long glider kind of thing. And um, and yeah, so sure enough, went surfing with Mark. And and he, he gets a few waves on the log and he paddles back out. And he's like, you know, this board goes really good in the soup. That's how you know it's a good board. It trims good in the soup. And... So I was tripping out on that. I was like, oh my God, Mark likes my board, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so yeah, that was just like the most cool and encouraging thing to happen to somebody for having shaped like 10 boards at that point. I think that was number 10 or 11. And, um, and yeah, and I had subsequently got to email him here and there with a question. And then eventually a couple of years later, I had him shape me a board and I got to go up and watch him shape it. 
and I brought it home and I glassed it in the backyard and, and that was a really awesome experience as well. And, you know, um, I'm not emailing him as much these days, but when I run into him or when we cross paths, it's like just a really cool, special thing. And I'm forever grateful for that kind of encouragement. I, I really think like I wouldn't have taken the board building as seriously had I not just crossed paths with him that day. I think that was a pretty pivotal moment for me to get that type of encouragement and, um, and just positive uh, interaction at that moment, you know, was, was really meaningful. And then um, locally, um, uh, like I mentioned, Nick Cooper, he's, uh, he's way more low key, kind of under the radar, but um, I would buy blanks and, and resin and everything from him. And I'd always have a million questions for him. And he would be just super kind and generous with his time and knowledge um, with me. And then another good moment was actually, I got to watch um, Ryan Loveless shape a board one time in Santa Barbara. And he, yeah, just was very kind and open with letting me sit in while he shaped one and um, asking a bunch of questions. I remember actually messaging him back in the Swaylocks days when he was under, uh, I think it was point concept progress or PC progress was maybe his handle on Swaylocks or no, it was like SP surfer. I forget. Anyway, um, maybe point concept was his old label or something, but I remember like the second or third, no, no, it was like the third or fourth board I ever shaped was a, this short wide displacement hole kind of thing with these tiny little side bites. And, um, and I remember asking him a little bit about, his take on holes because that was seemed to be what he was shaping at the time and kind of posting about. So he, he was generous with his knowledge as well at that time. And, um, and yeah, so I, I've had good interactions with folks over the years for sure. Um, but then for the most part, for the majority of the time, I'm just kind of here in, in my garage and not in the garage anymore. I built a, a proper bay for myself now, but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's, it's been a little bit of a mix, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like you're more or less kind of on your own. I mean, you've had some great encouraging words from Mark and Ryan's given you some insight, but you've never, like you say, you've never spent hours in a factory with a bunch of guys having lunch and talking and doing it over and over and over and over and sort of being engrossed in that factory experience. So it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, no, it hasn't until I, the last couple of years I've had a couple opportunities to travel and shape and that's been a little bit more of that. And that that's been really, really cool actually. Where uh, was that? Where did, where did you go? Uh, the first trip was to New York city to shape boards with, um, King's glassing. Um, so I had the Austin brothers, um, Aaron and drew Austin have a shop in New York called King's glassing and they're younger. They were just starting out and, um, uh, a couple of years ago, they were just starting out and I knew Drew through, uh, Mollusk, Santa Barbara, um, some friends through, through there. And he was moving to New York to go work with his brother, Aaron, who had started this glass shop. And he said, Hey, you should come out and, you know, shape some boards with us. Um, so sure enough, I got to go out there and I made a few boards for, um, Pilgrim and for Rhode Island surf supply and some customs and, yeah, it was my first travel shaping experience. And that was a real like trial by fire kind of situation. I had never had such a, um, a time limit on things. You know, I'd, I'd always been in my own little shop and can kind of dink around and, and tweak on the details as, as long as I wanted to. So, um, that was a really cool experience to just actually get thrown into the mix and have to just grind and, and, um, uh, basically lived in the shop for a week. And then I got to shape at uh, House of Somos in Costa Rica um, uh, as well after that. And that was another one where um, kind of just got to grind, but the, with the benefit of being in Costa Rica. So I got to get some nice warm water surfs in between shapes. So that was a real, that was a real treat. Um, and working with the glasser there, uh, Corna, he's a really experienced glasser and had some good input and, um, yeah, it was a, it was a really neat experience. And then since then I've been back to New York and I'll, um, 
I'm actually going to go back again in spring to both New York. And then I'm, I'm really excited. I, I get the opportunity to work with Tristan Mouse at Atlantic Vibrations um, in spring as well. So I'm going to go to France first. Um, and then after that, I'll be in New York this year. So I'm really, I'm really excited to work with Tristan though. He's a phenomenal glasser. His uh, surfboard label is Fantastic Acid. I don't know if you've seen those, but um, really beautiful displacement holes and really stunning glass work. So I'm, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to work with him and hopefully get to watch him uh, shape in glass as well. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, these are, I'm so glad you're bringing up these glass houses and these, these uh, shapers and these surfboard builders, because I'm scouring on Instagram as you're telling me. And I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) There's so many incredible designers and craftsmen out there. And it's great to, uh, be enlightened from, you know, from you on who these people are. And uh, I mean, there's just, it's great. It's fascinating. And um, I'm stoked that you're traveling and, and shaping. That's, that's, that's obviously just going to be wonderful for you and your designs. Uh, tell me a little bit about your um, foam of choice. Do you have, uh, have you been shaping with other stuff besides standard polyurethane foam? Yeah, I've shaped a few EPS and I've shaped some varial foam blanks as well. Um, I prefer just polyfoam. Um, I usually use US blanks blue density. The reds are are good, but most of the boards that I'm shaping are not like high, super high performance. They're more of that alternative, uh, alternative performance craft, I guess you'd say. Um, so the blues for me, it's a touch extra weight, but the foam's denser and it it seems to hold up in really really well, especially when I do slightly heavier glass jobs like a six plus four deck with sanded glass is usually what I default to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hold up great, you know, and that's, I want my boards to last for at least a decade. You know, that's, that's my goal is I'd, I'd rather make things that really stand the test of time. Um, the varial foam, I really love the way that foam shapes and the way it finishes. When you have a finished shape on varial, it's, insane like the thing looks almost like it's glassed it's it's so clean and so perfect um the cells size on that varial foam is really teeny tiny and it's a really dense densely packed cell size um and so that it it glasses really light because the blank doesn't absorb too much uh too much resin and it's really dense. Like if you squeeze even like a shaped blank, I mean, obviously you don't want to like gouge it with your thumb, but if you give it a little squeeze, it is strong and yeah. light and it's just really great material. But um, for me, I'm only hand shaping and um, you, two things you always have because of the way they manufacture the foam, you're always paying a cut fee when you get it. You're not getting like a, a blown blank like you would from US blanks. And two, when you're shaping it, it whatever chemical agent it's blown with, it smells like rubbing alcohol or something. So it stinks up the room for 
like weeks afterwards and I have to wear a, um, rather than just a dust mask, I, I need to wear a chemical respirator. Otherwise you get this cra crazy headache. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't know what that is. It, it's um, the, the foam is great. The finished product is great, but there are those kind of uh, issues with it. Yeah. Um, but I've made a couple boards for customers out of Ariel and a couple personals. And I, I really like the, the finished product is amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, for the most part, uh, I really like polyfoam. Um, like I said, I've tried EPS blanks before again, hand shaping. I, I know there are tricks to it, but I found it really rough to work with it. The, the cell size on those is pretty large comparatively. Mm -hmm. And so you have a tendency to, um, take little chunks out or it shows scratches much more easily. And mm -hmm. it's hard to get a really clean finish on it. And then what you need to do is seal the blank with like um, different people who use different things. You usually use a slurry or a spackle or something to prime it for glassing. And that process I didn't, I don't particularly love. And um, I'm not like I have, I don't have a great love for uh, epoxy glass boards. Um, everyone I've tried, I, I seem to prefer poly on poly. Um, just in my own surfing. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, over the years, I've tried to really focus on poly on poly just because from the standpoint of me trying to hone my craft as a hand shaper, if I can limit the other variables um, and just stick to a certain material type, which is the standard and which people know how to work with and is you know easily repairable, um, it kind of works with my goals of of trying to make the boards as long lasting as possible and as accessible as possible for most people. Yeah. So. Yeah. The poly poly is, is ubiquitous. As you mentioned, I'm, you travel to go shape and it's poly 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 for the most part. Right. Um, there are so many great options and that's just going to give you more stuff for the future to chew on and to play with, you know, that the variable I've, I've, I often, refer to variable variable as almost like a balsa like it has a balsa vibe to it you know yeah. it's, it's such a strong and um unique thing I, I'm, i've never had a board in varial i've actually purchased a blank but uh need to get that thing shaped up um what about um playing around with stringers like have you thought about just no stringer or, I made a bunch of no stringer boards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on stringers with the poly poly? They have a good, like lively bounce to them. I like the way that it feels. It has like, it's, they're really light. I haven't actually snapped one. Although most of the, um, the, cause that was the concern is like you make a stringerless poly up on poly and you're going to snap it. There's things you can do in the way that you gloss it to try and, um, counteract the lack of a stringer. Some people do like carbon. Um, but you can also just get tricky with how you, um, laminate, uh, regular glass on and the pattern and where you're cutting, you can add like an extra layer around the rails to make almost like a parabolic flex to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed them. I've made, uh, mostly fishes and mini Simmons in that design for myself. And then I've made a few for other folks as well. I like shaping stringerless blanks because of the way they look under the lights, they, as a complete object without this, uh, center line, it makes them look very UFO like. So it's it's a fun thing to um to shape. The the finished product is really beautiful in its own way. And it, it's kind of just like the pure form of a thing. Yeah. Um, without any anything drawing your eye anywhere else other than the object itself as a as a complete whole. Um and that's really pleasing to me, I guess. Do you uh, do you put down a center line on a stringerless blank when you're shaping it to have some sort of sense of where you're at? When I'm templating it, yeah, definitely. And then um at certain moments I might go back and redraw that line, but for the most part, it's just for the template. And then from there, it's just have at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about, um, a, a wedge stringer so that we've got something kind of full and thick up in the nose. And then as we get to the tail, the, the stringer actually disappears and we just have seen those stringerless at the last, whatever, eight inches or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting thought. It's funny. You mentioned that I I've wanted to do that for years. I just haven't, gotten around to that particular configuration yeah flex in the tail that's very Exa exactly you know, ask you know 
or the reverse. I've seen it when longboards yeah. where you can do it to um, about a third of the way back from the nose. And then in theory, the nose will flatten when you walk onto it and then it'll increase your trim speed and give you a little bit of a gas pedal effect from the nose, which is an interesting idea. So yeah, I, that I just love made me That just made me realize another thing I need you to think about, which sure. might be totally out there, but stringer in the nose, stringer in the tail and no stringer in the middle. What's that going to do? Here's another variable. That's a great idea. I mean, it's the exact <laughs> reverse, right? So yeah. or you just do a stringer dead center and then have it chopped off at both the nose and tail. You could you could kind of skin that cat both ways. Or the other way, stringers on the <laughs> tail and nose and no stringer in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the cyclical nature of surf, the surfboard market and surfboard demand. And in many ways, um, surfboards are sort of cyclical in, um, you know, the way that um, sort of what's hot or what's not or what's the next big thing. And look, everything's been sort of done, at least from a general standpoint. Um, and as you mentioned, the the round pin twin seems to be the sort of the board du jour for the last couple of years. What do you think the next cyclical evolution of surfboard demand will be what's the design that we're all going to be going oh i want that board that's a great question <laughs> i have no idea i um you know i i've been happy to make people boards that they ask for for sure um but as far as predicting what that will be i have no idea in my own surfing i really have been enjoying twinsers i've been making these short wide twinsers um so that's what i've been if people are coming to me for customs and they don't know exactly what they want, that's more or less what I've been pushing them towards. Cause in my own surfing, it's been really enjoyable. I've been making a groveler version with an arc tail and then a um, kind of a good way version with a pintail. And those two shapes have been pretty much what I've been riding hmm, like 90% of the time for the last um, almost two years. And wow. so, um, so I, I, I'm a, big twinser advocate at the moment but i i tend to get like bored add i get really into a design for a couple of years and try and like shape it and refine it make another one refine it and kind of keep tweaking on it until i get it more or less where i want and then something else will kind of tickle my fancy and i'll get down another rabbit hole i'm sure in a couple of years but um for now i think like the the short wide twinser is the board of the future <laughs> if if I came into your shop or I reached out to you um, on Instagram, I DM'd you or whatever, and I was like, I don't know, Shay, what, you know, make me something. What do you suggest? And you said Twinser. Mm -hmm. um, I might come back to you and go, well, what does that do? Like, what's what's because I'm actually a big Twinser guy. I love okay. Twinsers. I've been riding them for years, and I have two of them now. And um, and so, what is if you were talking to a customer, how would you explain the Twinser design? To me, they feel like a twin fin when you're going down the line, that loose kind of free, really fast, uh, easy trimming. And then when you put it on rail or try to wrap a turn, instead of feeling that looseness, it kind of kicks into a drive feel almost as if you're riding a, a thruster and you're really pushing in a turn and it pushes back at you and accelerates through that turn. Um, so it's more or less marrying those two sensations of like a really drivey, positive feedback kind of board with that loosey-goosey, free-flowing twin fin feel. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, you're flying down the line, you're like, whoo, this board's so fast and quick and responsive. And I need to do something with this speed now. I need to lay into a roundhouse. And what's going to happen, you know? Is it going to, you know, just spontaneously combust on the shoulder? Or <laughs> are we going to get, like, engaged rail drive and now more speed through the turn, which is what yeah. I, I feel like a really good Twinser does. So that's cool. I'm stoked to hear that. I'm such a big fan of that Twinser design. And Stu Kenson's made me quite a few. And um, I think I've yeah, got he's another the guy. one. He's uh, one of the guys. Yeah, he's one of the guys for sure. I had um, been um, yeah. I had been getting requests for them from, for years. And I'd never actually fulfilled it because I didn't know the, the fin placements. And I didn't know the kind of the breakdown of it because I'd never made one before. And finally, after a certain amount of requests, I, um, I, I heard a podcast, I think it was, I can't remember if it was you or if it was um, uh, the Surf Splendor podcast, but either way, he was on a podcast and he talked a bit about the nuts and bolts of the design. And I, I kind of took that as the sign. I was like, okay, well, Stu Kenson just kind of let the cat out of the bag on these. So <laughs> I'll just take what he said and try and apply it to my own templates. And, and then sure enough, I made 
one after I heard that podcast and I was like, holy shit, these things are awesome. This is great. So that kind of set me down that path. So thank you podcasting for uh, <laughs> giving me the, giving me the insight there. Thanks Stu, really. Yeah. And, and, you know, we should really pay homage to Will Jobson, who's yeah. the Tinser guy. Right. And um, back in the early eighties, he was um, basically pronounced the design and, and just, you know, it was really his thing. And, and a lot of people have taken it from where Will's at and Will's made me some boards. Interestingly, um, Will's into or was into when he made me a Twinser incorporating a bevel into the rail with the Twinser fin setup. So that's something to chew on the the concept. A bevel? Of how do you mean like a in cut of some kind or? Um, I'm not sure how to characterize it or describe it, but if I was to wrap my hands around the rails, there would be um, on the you know bottom side of the rail there would be a bevel, hmm. uh, a chime, if you will, right uh, along the the rail line. Like more than just like a regular tucked edge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Full on bevel. Like that runs like the length of the, the outline. That's interesting. Yeah. It was really interesting. Um, yeah, so that's, there's seeing... another thing for you to chew. Yeah. On. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd love to see him in real life and kind of get wrap my head around it. That's an interesting idea. It almost reminds me of like the, um, the Stewart. Um... Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. I was going to say Bill Stewart is is widely renowned for having a, a battle round. It's the same concept. Right. That's that's the thing I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. How many boards are you doing a month? I know it's sick. It's sort of up and down, but yeah, super variable. Right now, I'm up around fifteen or so. Yeah, fifteen. So, okay, good. So yeah, good. not like not insanely busy, but um good enough you know like it's it's steady and it's like it's on the upward trajectory which is also good it seems like normally december january things start to slow down post holiday and then this year it seems to be going the opposite which is which is nice yeah, yeah. yeah. um one other foam that i thought of i know you're sticking to the poly poly which i think makes tons of sense but there's this xtr that javier makes here in oceanside um, it's extruded. It's not expanded like EPS. It's extruded. And uh, gosh, I've had, I've never, talk about a lively foam that just feels right under your feet. Um, hmm. That's something for you to, another variable for you to chew on. Yeah. Those are supposed to be water repellent too, right? Like if you get a ding, then you, it doesn't absorb water. Yeah. That's what I, I believe to be the case. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've heard that those are, um, great for machine shaping, but really difficult to hand shape. So I hadn't, I've never actually done it, but that's when I've asked around a little bit about it, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't yeah. messed around with it yet. And tell me about your tools. What kind of uh, planer do you have? Uh, just a little Hitachi green machine. You know, I mm -hmm. have a skill 100 with, um, that I shaped for years with and it, I chopped the base and I like modded it a little bit. And I found it as uh, a Craigslist find actually here in Morro Bay. And, mm -hmm. um, was able to, yeah, it was like a, a an old carpenter's skill that were, they are using it to to actually uh, plane on doors, which is what they were designed for originally, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I used that for quite a while. And then I got, um, I had another one. I had this this one and one that I was, this was my backup and I had another one and I, I dropped that one, cracked the, the base, cracked the body, um, and so that became my parts skill. And then I just got really nervous about relying on the skill. I was like, you know, if I break this other one, I'm going to be kind of screwed here. I know you can find them, but they're so expensive. So um, I grabbed a Hitachi and kind of haven't looked back. I, um, I do like the skill for like big, long boards. Mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes, well, I'm doing like, you know, I'm doing like 40% long boards right now. I'm doing a lot of long boards, but um but the Hitachi, I can kind of just do everything with, and it's easier to find replacement parts if I need to, and and I've just kind of gotten accustomed to it. But yeah, um, what about the um, the sort of the Harley Davidson of planers, which is that accurate planer, which just looks so incredible. It's just got so much power. Have you put one of those? Yeah, they in look bitching. I haven't yeah. I haven't tried to shape with one yet, but they look amazing. They're really beautiful. Yeah, and real really. Uh... A, yeah, work of art in, in their own right. Those accurate planers, they're they're gorgeous. 
Um, all right. Well, look, we've said a lot here today. What? Let me ask you this. Um, the next best in show, we're, we're honoring Bob McTavish at the boardroom show in October. Um, but aside from honoring Bob, we do the separate thing, as you know, called the best in show competition, where we invite board builders from around the world to simply enter a board and um, be a part of the show, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what category, what type of board we should, we should do this year. Do you have any thoughts on that? So it doesn't need to be in the vein of a Bob McTavish. No. No, it's no, totally it's, separate. It's totally separate. Because the I, last year was just random that it was a bonzer and Bing was, you know, there right. was a connection there, but um, it does not have to be in that vein. I think it'd be cool to do a displacement hole, do like a straight up Greg Little, fully bladed, <laughs> flat rocker, like just a full point machine. Okay, cool. They look do like spaceships. They're just so unique in, in the shape and, um, you know, I think they're just visually really compelling and, and they're highly specialized and, and they're their own little weird world that people are, they're really um, controversial. I feel like people either like want to hate on them or people are just completely bought in and, and love them. So I think it'd be a funny, interesting, um, uh, interesting design to explore. And I think you'd get a lot of participation too. I, I have a feeling that a lot of the whole heads would want to take a crack at it. Yeah, that would yeah. be that. Okay. Duly noted. I'm putting that. I'm not, I'm noting that I'm putting that <laughs> down in, on my list of possible uh, categories for a best in show. Now you, you have won a booth at this year. You don't have to pay for a booth. You get a free booth as your, um, as part of you winning. So you got to get to work and build some boards for your booth. Shay. I'm thrilled. Yeah, no, I I've actually, looking at the year ahead i've been marking out like okay i need to have my booth ready at this time and i need to have my uh batch of boards ready at this other you know it's october right october 12th get ready by october yeah exactly yeah we have time we have time <laughs> so yeah yeah there's a little bit of time for sure and um i'm excited i think you know that's, that's a really cool opportunity so i'm super appreciative i'm i'm, I'm stoked to be there again and yeah, take my crack at that best in show, whatever it ends up being. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Look, Shay, thanks again for being on the Boardroom Podcast. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you soon, bud. Thanks so much.
That sounds great. Thank you, Scott. Okay.